0: Hello and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And
1: I'm Pete Torpy. In 2009, I'm sure you guys know, we re-released the first accessible phone, uh, all built in. So you buy an iPhone and, you know, you could turn on voiceover right away. You didn't need to install anything. It just worked. And that was really groundbreaking.
2: And it's incredible to think how far the iPhone and iPad iOS devices have come in the past number of years in terms of accessibility. And today we'll be talking about what's new in the latest release of iOS.
0: We'll be speaking with Apple's accessibility evangelist, Dean Hudson, about how they've been incorporating advanced artificial intelligence technology to provide new features that can be particularly useful to people with vision loss. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Dean Hudson.
1: One thing that I think is really cool, and we released this last year, but um, customizable gestures. I think that's something that is really cool. That's something that allows you to take an existing gesture and assign it to something different, the one I use is uh, stop speech because I'm constantly taking my phone, putting it in my pocket, taking it out, and I'll inadvertently turn off speech because of the 2 finger double tap. And was like, I don't ever want to turn off speech, so let me just get rid of that gesture.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. Well, that is nice. As you say, You some gestures may be harder than others or easier, and you use them more frequently or less frequently, and you can just… Customize it according to your own use. Yeah. You are listening
0: to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Dean and learning about his role at Apple.
1: My name is Dean Hudson. I'm an employee at Apple, and um, I work as an accessibility evangelist in the uh Policies and Initiatives Team.
0: And what does it mean to be an accessibility evangelist?
1: Well, um, it means that I work with a variety of teams at Apple on numerous projects, um, some sort of legacy, some brand new, uh, we call them Black projects, uh, and basically uh, advise them on how to make their products accessible. Sometimes they come to me Uh, And they just want to understand, you know, what does it mean to be accessible and how to think about accessibility when building their products.
2: And you're the perfect person to be in that position, since I understand, although you had some vision when you were a youth, you are blind now.
1: Yes, I am completely blind.
2: So you use many of these products.
1: I use a good deal of them, yes, Um, except for the high contrast, uh, large text. Those are... Not as useful for me.
2: I think it makes a big difference when the developers are actually the users. You get a very good product coming out the other end that way.
1: Yeah, it really does.
0: And I assume that although your personal experience is with the blindness products, that Apple covers accessibility issues for a wide variety of disabilities.
1: Yeah. I mean, our main areas are vision, hearing, learning and literacy, and, of course, uh, physical disabilities.
0: Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill.
2: Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Apple's commitment
0: to accessibility and how that is manifested in their devices.
2: So as you mentioned in the introduction, you work at Apple and you're blind, and coincidentally almost, you've been there since the early days of when Apple started thinking about accessibility. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the early projects you got involved in were?
1: Yeah, well, Apple actually was thinking about and Creating accessibility, uh, even before I started, it was sort of the groundwork behind accessibility. But when I got here, it was 2006, and we were about to release OS 10.4, which we called internally Leopard. Um, and that was sort of the introduction of the new voice, Alex. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was a huge deal for us, as well as Braille uh, for refreshable Braille displays. And it was great. You know, there was a lot of work being done to, to get out an excellent voice, to get instant Braille access. So you plug in your display and it just works. No drivers, no anything like that. And from there, we just kept expanding. You know, we, we worked on a lot of different uh, applications, making those work with VoiceOver, our screen reader. Um, and then in 2009, I'm sure you guys know, we re-released uh, the first accessible phone. Uh, all built in. So you buy an iPhone and, you know, you could turn on voiceover right away. You didn't need to install anything. It just worked. And that was really groundbreaking. And that's something that, you know, we have just continued to do and talk about uh, just the integration of our hardware, our firmware, our software. And that's what allows us to do uniquely different things and cool things for our users to really try to make the devices suitable for, your needs so we're very proud of that
2: years ago all of our devices had buttons associated with them but somehow another groundbreaking idea that apple had was to introduce touch screens for even blind people to use somehow tell us a little bit about that development
1: it took several iterations to get the touch screen correct but I'm glad it took so long because we ended up coming up with something that was very, very useful. And I remember before we shipped, I think we announced that we have accessibility on the phone. Between that time and when we shipped, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a lot of talk on the web by accessibility specialists saying, this won't ever work. Blind people want buttons. You know, you can't use a glass. And so we we're thinking, man, well, I like it, but I don't know if anyone else. <laughs> uh, but it turned out to be, you know, now one of the most uh, popular devices for the blind. I mean, it's something like 70% use voiceover on iPhone. Yeah, it
2: it does sound like a strange concept, a blind person working with a device with no buttons and just a flat screen, no tactile indications of what's what, but it
1: works. Yeah, and and it works really well. Um, You know, I used to think, yeah, it's great. Okay, you can do all these things. And more and more, I'm realizing no, it's not just that you can do these things. iPhone, this is a tool, and especially in these times of COVID, it's like this is essential. You need this device,
0: right? And we've done a number of episodes about enabling apps that are available for the iPhone, and, and Pete uses them all the time.
1: Yeah, iPhone was a big deal, uh, and and we're really proud of that. And I think something that was released in iOS 14. Uh, is going to be sort of the next uh, pull for us. Um, so tell us about and that. that. Is the, yeah, that's, um, that's the voiceover recognition. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to play with some of those features. I play um, with everything
2: as soon as it comes out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so it's got three components. Uh, the first one i will talk about is sort of the image description. And in the past, we've done some descriptions of pictures uh, on your phone or photographs, um, but we've taken it to a, a different level now. So now we we will um, use on-device machine learning to actually give you full descriptions, full sentences of pictures. So what you might have heard in the past is, you know, photo contains table, chair, person. But now we'll say photo, person sitting in a restaurant uh, drinking a, a glass of water, something like that.
2: It is pretty impressive. It gives me some pretty accurate descriptions and i get a lot of pictures from friends of mine through text messages and emails it does a great job
1: yeah yeah
2: so another thing that's become very
0: popular much to the chagrin of blind people is that their sighted friends will send an image that's a graphic element but it contains only text what has apple done to deal with those images
1: the second part of it is uh uh, being able to recognize text within images, and that that's pretty useful. You know, if you uh <clears throat> seeing a sign or something that's in a picture, uh could be very very useful. I used it one time uh, looking for a shuttle, and um, as the shuttles were going by, it would tell me which shuttle was there, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. That's really useful. Um, yeah, it doesn't help third... to know it's
2: a bus if you don't know where it's going or which it, bus exactly. it is. Exactly.
1: Well, that's, that's true. The third one is, is really cool um and that we call screen recognition and in the past you've probably seen this a lot pete where you know you get an application you really don't know how accessible it is and you know you're going through and then just a couple of places are good but then other places is button 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 and you're just like oh man shoot you know um
2: and you have no idea what any of those buttons do or what the function is no
1: and sort of the worst, you know, I've gotten several food ordering delivery apps and it's just grueling when you've ordered all this stuff and then you go to find the checkout button, but there's no, it's just button. You don't know what it is. And, you know, if I press this one, is it going to delete my order? you <laughs> know,
2: A blind person could wind up starving.
1: <laughs> but with Files 14, though, um, we sort of, uh, complement apps. In other words, we use machine learning to detect what that button possibly says. And we use different algorithms and heuristics. So now, you know, it'll say possibly order or possibly check out. Um, we've taken it even further. Uh, we know sometimes developers don't include what we call sort of the element description or uh, type attribute for a particular um, user interface element, yes, and now we can detect buttons, tables, um, radio buttons, different UI elements within an app, so we find a little bit of a comfort zone for you know uh, people who are quote working in the blind um, it's, it, so that, we like to do everything we can to make the experience really, really good, and we, we're taking that even further, so uh, lots of exciting things going on with uh, accessibility and machine learning.
2: The other feature I think is neat that is part of this new system using the AI that's built into the phones is that now one can use one's camera to sort of scour around the room to have the camera tell you what objects are in the room to give you a little layout of what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's a, a big piece of uh something sort of we got from doing the image description stuff. So now uh in the camera app as well as the magnifier, uh two things going on there. What you described, sort of the, the uh the live view description, as well as people detection that we put into the pros using the LIDAR sensor. Um and it's very important during this time, uh and and even times where you want to know where say the end of the line is and, and or has the line moved you don't want to keep hitting people with your cane um uh and then the whole COVID thing just being able to know what's who's around you how far they are and as you said even sort of looking around you as you're walking down the road seeing different things appear in your in your uh, camera's view um really really nice
2: I think that LiDAR capability that you now have in your higher-end new phones will be interesting to see how that develops in the future as it migrates down to lower-end models and how you make use of it for the visually impaired. We can be uh, sort of like the self-driving cars these days and just walking around on our own with that technology.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's not going to replace the cane or a guide dog, but it's just interesting to know if you get walk in a neighborhood you're not familiar with just to get to see what's around you, you know, are there buildings? Are there, you know, it's just very cool. Just gives us one more layer of access. Sure,
2: Supplementary information is always a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what else do you want to talk about, about new features in some of your new
1: products? So we've talked a lot about vision so far, but we also have some cool features for uh, hearing impaired and that's the sound recognition. And this is also sort of part of the whole machine learning. Uh, we can detect different categories of sounds, such as household, someone knocking at the door or doorbell, uh, appliances, uh, as well as uh, people things like baby crying, uh, someone yelling, uh, and all sorts of things that would give notifications to uh, someone who's not able to hear those things very well. It's really something cool, we're proud of, and, and getting a lot of feedback of people who really enjoy it. Another feature that you might have saw is the whole back tap. So what we've done is allowed you to either double tap or triple tap with two fingers on the back of your phone and assign that to you know a gesture that you use all the time. And it could be anything from bring up control panel or bring up the dock or call an Uber. Uh, I don't suggest using that for that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, so we're, that's really cool. And it's, it's great for people who, you know, just don't have the dexterity or physical ability to perform some of these gestures that you can do on the phone. Yeah, so,
2: that is a nice feature.
1: Well, the exciting thing about machine learning, it's constantly getting better. You know, we don't have to wait for a release for models to get better. They're just continually improving. So that's, that's also very exciting.
2: And it's always amazing to me, I look at all the functions built into these phones these days and how accessible they are, and I keep thinking, well, what more can be added? It's already pretty good. And somehow every year, something new comes along, some new technology or some new accessibility feature that really improves our access and functionality of our devices. What do you have that's recently released for people with low vision?
1: So low vision, uh, as we talked about, there's been quite a few improvements in the magnifier app. A lot of things that you can now freeze frames, you can get more contrast. A lot of the controls are easier to get to now. Uh, You can do multi-documents with uh, the magnifier. So that's really, really coming very, very useful. And what I find a lot of people are just impressed that, you know, you don't have to carry this magnifying glass anymore. You just whip out your phone if you're in a restaurant. Uh when we get back to that and you can view menus if the if the print's too small. And this is not, you know, people with disabilities, just anyone, you know. Um,
2: I encourage Nancy uh, to use it sometimes when she doesn't have <laughs> yeah. her reading glasses.
0: And I do. And it's not just that the print is sometimes too small on the menu. Sometimes the lighting is too miserable oh, yeah. or whatever. And you just need a little help being able to see whatever you're trying to see. And I consider myself fully sighted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm sure you're familiar with all the sort of settings in accessibility for low vision, including large text, which is a really big one we released a few releases ago. Um, Just a ton of stuff, high contrast, colorblindness, all those things. It's just a a complete set of tools that someone with low vision uh, can use. And you have to remember, you know, if you say, well, someone's low vision, you know that really doesn't tell the whole story someone can have uh you know only peripheral vision or no central vision um and it's just it's a wide range so we try to make it very very uh customizable so that it fits everyone's visual needs and the same with other disabilities right someone can be uh fully deaf or just have hearing in their left ear um, so we provide controls so that you can do that and that that's uh, one of the things that we've also improved in iOS 14 sort of hearing accommodations where you could put on your airPods pro uh, and I think it also works with beats, um, and then you can adjust lower or raise the different frequencies uh, that suit your hearing range, so that's a really good improvement for folks who have uh, hearing issues.:
2: The other feature I like. In these devices these days, is the ability to make one's own shortcuts for functions that take several steps that you may do all the time. So I log a lot of my exercising that way by saying, Siri, log my exercise. And she asked me a series of questions How long did you do this? How far did you run? How much time did you take, etc And it's just all done, all by voice.
1: Yeah, I did that as well. I uh, created a, a shortcut that, um, uh, if I take a video, uh, I can just say, you know, send video and it will copy that video into an email and send it to my sister. Cause she, I take videos of my son's performances. And uh, it was just tedious to like be walking out of the theater and like have to bring up the videos app and then copy that video and share it to email and then type in my, you know, it's like. yep Cane in one hand, phone to, in the other. It doesn't yeah, work so exactly. well, does it?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's very nice. Talking of programming, the shortcuts involve a little bit of sort of programming, sort of in a graphical way. But you yourself are a programmer, I take it, and have gotten involved in writing some programs in Apple's environment. Can you talk about that and how the accessibility of some of the programming tools in the Apple ecosystem have improved?
1: My goodness, yeah. There are some some huge improvements. And uh, not to get deep down into the technical stuff, but um, a lot of things that you really need to be able to modify and work in a large code base. So things like um, jumping between different member functions, um, being able to navigate breakpoints and edit breakpoints and, you know, just get around code very quickly. Um, Because if you're blind, um, it's not like you can just see a screen of code and go, I want to go there. You know, we have to go line by line by line. And it's just, it can take you significantly longer. So jumping you to the next error or even code completion is just extremely helpful. Um, and we've done a lot of that. And, of course, Apple has invested in Swift, Playgrounds, and Swifting code. Um, and now uh, that also is accessible. So as you're writing Swift code, you can actually see the immediate results of that code. Uh, And that's accessible uh, in iOS 14. So some really cool advancements that we've made uh, to allow you to actually get down in the code and work efficiently. So So for people
2: who aren't familiar with the Swift Playgrounds, can you talk a little bit about that and how it helps people learn to code?
1: Yeah, so we've actually worked with uh, several schools, um, Texas School for the Blind and some other ones, uh, uh, California School for the Deaf. What it does is it allows, uh, and this is for everyone, right? It brings coding to a younger uh, elementary school's children, is what I'm trying to say. And it brings it in a way as as a puzzle. So you're trying to solve these puzzles. And what we've done is made that sort of experience accessible uh, with an iPad, including sort of tactile maps of each of the puzzle worlds. And so that, kind of helps out when you want to try to figure out where things are in the puzzle, what you need to do to get to those items. And so it's a really good experience for kids trying to learn how to code. And then from there, they move up into actually writing little applications. Uh, And that's where a lot of our improvement came this year is being able to navigate and, and write code within those environments. So it just gradually builds up from there. And we're really trying to reach out and get a lot of people, you know, not necessarily make them engineers. But, you know, we understand that pretty much any job you want to get, it's good to have some sort of background uh, in coding. And so we really don't want blind people to be left out of that. And that's something that's really important.
2: I agree. And, you know, I think computers are a great field for blind people to be involved in because these days computers are so accessible and it's tremendous that you guys are making these tools available and accessible to people at younger ages because after all, that's the best time to learn some of these skills and know that there are possibilities to be had in those fields.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You talked a lot about what you can do using voiceover, which is basically speech output. Can you talk a little bit about
1: Apple's Braille support? (laughs) Yeah, so we're constantly working on that. We've added new tables, I believe, last year to uh, include the LibLui braille tables. So that gave us a lot more support of different languages. Um, The auto panning was another big one. And then also, just a few years ago, we actually came up with a standard for braille. Um, In the past, you know, braille display manufacturer would come to us and say, hey, can you guys write a driver to support our display? And we thought, you know what? Why don't we invent a standard? And if the manufacturer follows that standard, they're instantly uh, compatible. So we've got that out. It's published. And so all manufacturers have to do is is just comply with that, and they will be fully compatible.
2: That's a great step forward because you used to get Braille displays in the past. And as you said, if you couldn't get a driver for your particular operating system, you were just out of luck.
1: Yeah. So we've also included Braille support for the watch how does braille support for a watch work? So, you know, Apple's moving towards this independence of watch, not being so much tethered to a device. And there are some things on the watch that are just specific for the watch. So fall detection is one of them. This is something that people got really excited about being able to use your watch to even the send text messages and, um, do all kinds of things. But, uh, Your heart rate, that's another one that you you have to have your watch to do. Um, EKG is another one. So there are some things that come in handy if you are a Braille reader and would prefer to get this information in Braille.
2: So you're saying you don't necessarily have to have your phone with you. You can just have your watch and get some Braille output. Right. That's great. That's a big step forward.
0: You are listening to eyes on success 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 success. now for this week's final item how to learn more about apple and the accessibility of their products and how to contact the apple accessibility team
2: if people want to find out more about what's new in accessibility at apple where would you direct people
1: we actually uh, just did a whole new revamp of our apple accessibility page you can go to www.apple.com accessibility and there's a ton of stuff up there including how to's and submitted tutorials and it's really cool i suggest everyone go check that out because there's a lot of information on that site the other thing is that we also really welcome feedback Um, just so that we can improve and hear how people are using our devices. And so I'm going to give you an email address, accessibility at apple.com. Um, a lot of eyes are on that account. And a lot of people who have a great impact on accessibility see those emails. So they don't just think it's going in some sort of casual box. It's not. We see it. So, Strongly encourage you to give feedback and uh, compliments if you want, but we'll, we, we, we accept it all. So,
2: That's an email address I use frequently, and I'm always impressed with the responsiveness.
1: Yeah, we really try hard to, to get back to folks on that.
2: Is there a phone number people can call
0: if they need
1: extra support? I don't have the actual number, but you can call AppleCare or Apple Support. And we actually have an accessibility team that works there that can help ask specific questions regarding accessibility. So if something doesn't work correctly or you're not sure how to use an accessibility feature, uh, you can certainly call Apple Support and they will get you to an expert who can help.
0: After our interview was over, I looked up that phone number and it is 800-275-2273.
2: And in case you didn't catch... Any of that contact information in the audio portion of the show will always have all that contact information and resources in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. So look for that. That's it for show number 2106.
0: Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about this year's Holman Prize. The Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco believes in encouraging and nurturing the can-do attitude within the blind community. Due to that, a few years ago, they launched the Holman Prize, which awards three blue sky thinkers who are blind or low vision up to $25,000 to realize a big idea. This award was named for James Holman, a prolific blind world traveler of the 19th century. And that's what the Holman Prize asks of you, to imagine and dream big. We hope you'll join us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman-Torpey and Peter Torpey and distributed by WXXI
2: Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net.